When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I am Chase, and James and I are back after our podcast offseason for another year of Charlotte Hornets basketball. It has been quite a while since we recorded together, James. I, what have you been up to? We'll just roll right into it. Absolutely, man. We are back, and we, we're doing our best here to try and avoid the sophomore slump. You know, we're in <laughs> year, we're in year two of the podcast now, and I'm, I'm feeling like we're on a linear development curve right now I'm, I'm feeling we're gonna improve i'm feeling good i'm feeling really refreshed after the break i had a, a really good kind of late summer um got a little holiday booked in a couple of weeks which is really exciting so i'm good and look hornets basketball is back what next monday it, i mean it feels like ages ago since they last played at the same time like media day and training camps just come around so quickly. And now all of a sudden it, we're into training camp, but I'm, I'm doing great. How have you been? How have you been enjoying your, your other sports, your baseball, your football? I remember you saying in the last episode, like you're looking forward to that. How's how enjoyable has your, your fandom been of those? Uh, so I don't know why I was looking forward to it because none of the teams that I like are particularly good, but I mean, it's, it was a nice, uh, nice break just to, cause I mean, we had been, inundated with basketball for like basically like a year and a half because I, I remember uh seeing like some tweets a couple weeks ago being like oh yeah the lakers uh advanced to the nba finals in the bubble like one year ago today and it's just like how was that only one year ago we've ba- we basically had like a whole season and a half and are starting another one since then so it's just been a blur but it's still nice to be back i mean we i, I love basketball we can only go so long without it so it's definitely nice i mean well, yeah, first preseason games October fourth. I mean, it feels like a couple, just a couple weeks ago that we were recapping summer league and the draft and free agency and all that. So it's crazy how quickly time goes by. It was, but like you said, it was nice to have the off season. Like I, I needed a break from yeah basketball, summer league, everything. I just needed a, to get away to not be waiting up since like two, three a.m. and watching stuff and to actually catch up on some sleep to give me a chance for the next six to nine months essentially um but yeah 
I, I think look, this team is in a really exciting place and we're going to be bringing you all the reactions at the Hive Live this year on the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, this is your, your go-to place for Hornets news. And th- there are going to be some small tweaks. We're making some tweaks this year, right? Because some of you will know from listeners that we uh, ran a little bit of a survey towards the kind of the end of the summer and there were some really important pits that came out of that. And we're always looking at ways to improve. This isn't ever going to change from the core of what it is. Uh, you know, me and Chase talking about the Hornets, bringing on guests. But there are tweaks we can make. And I just want to go through and let listeners know, the regular listeners, about some of the things that you can maybe expect to change. So I think the first thing is, one thing that came through really clear in the feedback was shorter reps. So we're toning down nothing longer than an hour. Unless like, freaking LeBron James or Zion ends up on the Hornets. But then we might have to go over now, yeah. Chase. But oh, yeah. outside of that, <laughs> outside of that, we're trying to keep shorter because a lot of feedback we got is people want to commute. They want to be able to listen to the whole pod. So 45 minutes to an hour max. None of this, none of this 90 minute stuff. That's number one. Next, we're trying to move up our recording schedule a little bit. So we used to do that once a week, essentially. And again, the feedback we got was we, we want more podcasts. So two a week felt like a bit of a stretch. So we're going to go a little bit halfway house. We're going to hedge. We're going to go once every five days. So again, not a full week, but hopefully we'll just be in your podcast feed that little bit more over the season. Next thing was talking a little bit Hornets history. Um, we got some good feedback over the summer about some games that we're going to go back and watch because I mean, Chase will still say to this point, we have never watched a 90s era Hornets game. I didn't believe. I've never watched it. You haven't either, right? Am I right? No, not, not in full, at least. I, I just, okay. I mean, we've everybody's please, seen highlights, but yeah. Please, please pause your podcast. If you need to punch a cussing or like, like, let out a bit of a scream <laughs> into a cushion, I understand. But we, we have acknowledged that it's a blind spot and we're going to go back. And then last couple of things, we're going to keep trying to bring you interviews. I know last year we had Cody Zeller on. We had a range of guests on, Sombrero Man, Charlotte Man, Hornets Film Room, Dylan Jackson, Draft Guys. I mean, I can't name everyone, but we're going to keep bringing you guests and we're going to try and really upgrade some of these guests, you know, trying to get some of the players, some of the coaches, some of the people in around the Hornets organization. That was a big thing that we wanted. And it's not always easy, but we're going to do our best. And then the last thing is keeping it coming with the instant reaction apps because one constant theme when we asked for like, what was your favorite moment? Almost everyone said the NBA draft pod, which we literally jumped on like during the draft and we recorded part of that. And I think you got some raw kind of emotion in that draft episode and that, you know, so we're going to keep trying to bring you those um, as well. So those are some of the changes you can hopefully see. It's all going to be the same product, but just some little tweaks, which I think are going to improve things. And I'm, I'm excited about the season and about the changes we're going to make. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited too. I'm, I'm looking forward to this year podcasting. And just for anybody who's you know completely new to the show, I am Chase Whitney. James Plowright is my co-host. You can read all of our writing along with listening to this podcast on atthehive.com. You can find us on Twitter at Chase Whitney underscore and at British underscore buzz. Like James said, we haven't 100% worked out a like exact release schedule, but every five days or so, you can expect that. And we're going to get more Hornets adjacent people. Thank you all for joining us. For And if you came back after last season, thank you even more for continuing to put up with us and humor us and let us pontificate while you play through uh, our voices through your car speakers or your headphones. We very much appreciate all of you. We 
quite literally would not be able to do this if you guys did not listen. So thank you very much. Uh, right. I'm now just, how did you come up with pontificate? What a, what a great That's word, like one personally. of my favorite words, honestly. That's a great word. I wish I could use pontificate in a sentence. It makes you sound so smart. I, I, I love that word. I, I got a couple of them that I use to just like boost my presumed IQ level because it's not very high. So I've got to manufacture ways to make people think that I'm intelligent, but I'm glad that that one's working. I'm going to have to use it like way more often now. All right. So we are what? Day three of training camp when we're recording this. It's a Thursday evening and we've had media day. We've had three days of training camp. We're going to go little three on three here. And we essentially just pulled out kind of three points that have stuck out to us. Quotes, storylines, anything like that that has come out over the last week or so through media day. Um, it's not just going to be 90 minutes of talking about which players are vaccinated. You'll be happy to hear, everyone. <laughs> we, are, we are sticking to basketball. So we're going to go through on three. Chase, hit me with your first point. What's, what's the first thing that's kind of stood out to you or come out? All right. So. First one I have written down was via Nikias Duncan of Basketball News. He attended the like opening media day on the like the day before training camp, before actual practice had started and players were available to media afterwards and whatnot. He asked James Borrego how their offseason additions would be influencing their zone usage on defense this year. Borrego said the early focus will be working on their man principles, but quote unquote zone will be part of our package again this year. So, I mean, he's saying that, you know, man defense is going to be the overwhelming base of their defense. But again, they will be using their, it's not even, a, it's not a two, three zone. It's it's just like a very malleable free roaming zone that the zone defense that they employed last year due to a lack of like rim protection and rebounding. They still don't really have a ton of rim protection and rebounding. So it kind of makes sense that it will be back. But I just thought that was interesting that, you know, they're already, I'm sure they're working on it in practice again. I I, th- I remember if it must have been one of our last episodes, we were talking about how we didn't think that it would really be back as much this year because it worked at times, but there's a reason that NBA teams don't play zone. But I just, I thought yeah. that was interesting. And I, well, I thought it was I, a good question from Nikias as well to get that. Like on it absolutely right was. And I, I think the reason we thought they maybe wouldn't do it as much because we thought we might address some of the rebounding room protection. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably true. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, depending how you feel about Mason Plumley, uh, you could argue that they've still not resolved those. So I, th- I think that was part of it. But um, I mean, I wish JB had just bluffed and been like, yeah, we're going to play all zone and just like yeah. watch the internet freak the fuck out. Like, I think that would have been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to break like out a 1-3-1 one, one full court trap for, the, for yeah. the entire year. If he's like, you know, we got Bayheim coming in for training camp. Like, he's going to show <laughs> us the Syracuse zone scheme. Um, and we're going to rock with that this year. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been perfect. I would, I would appreciate that. He seems to get the, he seems to be on a, a sarcastic streak for, with his, press conference answers this year i like it he's cracking some it's jokes. it's when he's in a good mood which, <laughs> yeah yeah when jb is in a good mood he like he'll happily elongate the press conference in order to crack a joke or to like wind someone up and that's like a great gauge of if if he's feeling happy about things or not and today i was just watching the uh the press conferences from day three and he was he was winding everyone up like 
Uh, I think Rod asked uh, Kai Jones about like, how has Jay Bin been? And Kai was like, yeah, coach has been great. He's been helping all the rookies. And then kind of Rod said that to JB. He was like, oh, Kai said that you've been great to all the rookies and helping them. And JB was just like, no, they're lying. They're lying. I've not helped them. They, they just want playing time. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's not going to coach him. That's not his job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, you know, afterwards he was like, sorry, sorry. I just like, you know, <laughs> it, it, he wouldn't do that if he's not like feeling himself a little bit. So I, I think, um, yeah, I think must have been J- JB's looking good. I think we are going to see more defense. I, th- I think one interesting thing with that and heard Nate Duncan make this point was that now teams got a little bit more time to prepare for the opponent opponents because the scheduling is a little bit different will those kind of like freaky zones be as effective as they were in the past uh, last year? Because teams are going to know and have a little bit more film time and everything to prepare for that. So I don't know is the honest answer. I'm I'm not a coach. I can't see the future, but it's an interesting thing to at least consider. All right, next up, I'm going to go. And first up, I'm going to go possibly the most important quote for me of the whole off season or a couple of quotes, really, is that Lamella is back. And yes, he's back in, in body, but everything you hear is like he is playing well and his wrist is 100% healthy, which like in my article that I kind of said some of the 10, the big questions heading into training camp, that was the big one. Like we all saw Melo flexing his wrist during summer league and we all had a mini meltdown because at that point, you know, we thought that is this still bothering him now? But I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Buck Knight. I think Buck Knight said, like, he's shooting the ball really well, like, even better than I expected him to. And I think James Borrego has said that, you know, he's all the way back. There's no effects at all from his wrist. Terry Rozier has already said, like, we aren't worried about Melo. Like, he's going to be great for us. Like, that's the last thing that we need to worry about. And I think towards the end of last year, we were all a little bit worried about Melo. So the fact that his wrist seems to be healed, he's shooting the ball well, every, all that kind of reading in between the lines quotes is that, you know, he's he's taken a step or is at least back to kind of where he was. And he's got bigger as well, a little bit in the gym. I know Miles Bridges was talking about that, that he was like dragging him to the gym all summer and he's definitely put on some, some timber. Things are looking a lot more rosy for LaMelo now than I think they were at the end of that Indiana game where there were some serious questions. Yeah, and I it's interesting that you brought up the the weight room stuff too because I would that was going to be one of mine, but I I stole at, it. You did steal it right right out from under me. But I looked at the like the roster that the Hornets posted for training camp. He's still listed at 181, which is when he what he was listed at last year. And at first I thought it might be because the, they just hadn't like, you know, weighed everybody like up to date and updated all that stuff. But uh Filippo Baresi pointed out to me former uh, former at the Hive Live guest, that they updated it for other players. Like Vernon Carey is now listed at 255 after being at 270 last year. And that makes a lot of sense because Vernon clearly lost weight from when he was at Duke and he just obviously wasn't 270 anymore. But and now that's been updated. But LaMelo is the same weight, uh, listed weight as he was last year. So maybe he just like was going to the gym and got like stronger per se, but didn't like gain weight because it is hard to like, gain a lot of weight in you know like two or two and a half or three months or whatever he had so i mean but he yeah. does look like slightly more like defined uh, uh when he's like working out and going to the basket and stuff so i, don't I know. always wonder how accurate those things are like 
I don't think they have a day where everyone like gets on the scales and they record it. I think they probably just like ask the players and the players say yeah. yes, this. So like some players will like, you know, not respond to the text message and the team will just be like, right, we'll just list it what it was last year. Like no one's no one's gonna like get in trouble for for like listing it incorrectly or wrong or whatever. And these things change so much in the season anyway. So uh, but yeah. All right. Quote number two for me was it was Terry Rozier talking about like how the, how he plays against James Booknight, for example, in practice, because both of them have mentioned that they're kind of teamed up either with each other or against each other for a lot of drills. That makes sense because they're both probably the two players on the team that are fit into the two guard mold the most, more so than anybody else. And he said, nobody gave anything to me when I first came into the league. And I still appreciate that to this day because it helped shape who I am. That was from Sam Purley of Hornets.com, another at the Hive Live guest. And to me, that just goes to show that like none of these guys are really like taking it easy on the rookies. They're going to have to earn every single thing that they get, much like LaMelo did last year, who, you know, James Booknight is obviously a very talented player. But LaMelo was coming in with like a much higher expected ceiling than what James Booknight is right now. LaMelo was picked third. James Booknight was picked 11th. But I mean, he still had to earn it, came off the bench for a few months. I imagine like James Booknight is probably good enough to get NBA rotation minutes right now, but a team like the Hornets, that's like really trying to build something and not just play young guys for the sake of playing them because they invested in them. They're making them develop and learn, like learn how to play in the NBA before they actually put them on the court to do so. I think that's like, it's really, really beneficial for all these guys. Cause I mean, if Booknight comes out and is playing on opening night, then you know it's because he played really well in practice. Like when PJ wasn't supposed to start and then he out- thoroughly outplayed Marvin Williams in training camp and then he started. Like that that wasn't because they drafted PJ in the lottery. Like they were planning on starting Marvin and PJ was too good. So it's good. It's just really good to see that these rookies are getting like the same chance and the culture is yeah. like staying the same year after year. Yeah. And, and the other thing to keep in mind there is what position does James Book and I play? the same position as Terry Rozier and mm-hmm. Terry is like doing everything to try and help him. Like, yeah, he said he's going to kill him, but kill him in an affectionate loving manner, right. not a, a actual manner. So, uh, you know, and I think, I, I don't know if you've heard the interview today of Buck Knight being interviewed from training camp a quote that I'd written down. I wasn't going to use it, but I had written it down. James Buck Knight said, Terry Rozier, he's an all-star to me. Like, which sounds like a bit like a romantic Valentine's card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like what, like I, when DeAndre Ayton and Jokic would just take turns being like, oh my God, he's so good. I love watching him play in the, in the yeah. Western Conference Finals press conferences. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think Buck and Terry seem to really be kind of striving up like a really good relationship. And the, the other thing is like, Buck's not like backing down. Like I, I think he said today, I heard Terry say he's going to kill me and I don't take that lightly. Like he's like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Which I think Terry loves. Cause that's what, that's the reaction Terry wants. He wants like someone not to back down. And you, you know, I even saw it, it's just getting to know these rookies, right? You get to know the character. And I think books are uh, a pretty like resilient guy who won't be pushed around. Like even in one of the photo shoots, PJ Washington was like saying something about him, like needing to buy him a bike. And James Bucknett was just like, no, you didn't, you didn't ask in a polite manner. <laughs> and like <laughs> to say that to like a vet when you're a rookie on like day one of like media day, 
to be like, no, you got to ask nicely. I'm not doing shit for you unless you ask nicely. Like that takes some, oh, yeah. some that's, guts. That's the, new, that's the New Yorker in him, I think. Yeah, uh, New Yorkers absolutely. don't take anything from anybody. Yeah, and you can like, I love Butt Knight because like he, he swears constantly in interviews, not in like an aggressive way, but that you can just tell he's so pure when he talks. Like he doesn't censor himself, which I think he'll probably unfortunately learn to do. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, or his right PR now, might be like, can you please stop making it so yeah. we have to edit all of your press conferences yeah. yeah um but right now it's like you just feel like he's, he's talking his mind which i think you love to see from athletes because you just end up getting media train answers so yeah I, I think that's gonna be a really interesting dynamic to see um yeah i agree with that one um next up i've got the defensive physicality which was definitely a theme that came out of JB's media availability today on, on day three of training camp. And he basically said today was our best day of training camp by far. And largely he's the biggest change. Like he was asked like, what's the biggest difference you can see so far? And he was like our physicality. And he says like, I can see it in everything we do from everyone, the buy-in, the communication on defense. I can feel it out there. And this, like, if you watch that Indiana game, and I know we've talked about this before, but there are a number of games last year where the Hornets put in Bismarck by Umbo just because you could rely on him to go out there and be that physical guy who would mess things up. And I think in the additions of, you know, Kai Jones, Plumley, Oubre, all of those guys are like hard, high energy, physical players. Um, I mean, even Buck Knight, I think, said today, like, the biggest surprise to him for like coming to the, of everything so far is trying to box out Mason Plumley. <laughs> he said like trying to move that guy is impossible. Like, so I think that's one thing. If you talk about how is this Hornets defense going to take a jump because you look at the personnel and it doesn't jump off the page to be a great defensive roster, but you can see like a team like the Knicks last year, just by playing hard, you get guys like Julius Randall, RJ Barrett, who, weren't good defenders before last year. They play with physicality, they play with effort, and they can make their presence felt. And I think if the Hornets can tap into that, they don't have great defensive personnel. They are a little bit undersized. They don't have the rebounding. But if they can play physically night in, night out over 82 games, which is hard because it is tiring and you've got to be resilient to do that, they have a real opportunity to improve that defense, which was definitely an area that let them down at times last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'm glad the Plumley, I think especially will be someone that helps with that. Not necessarily because he's like a, like a great defender. He's not bad, but he like biz, he's just got, you know, he's going to go out there and move people around and just not, not, and not be moved around himself. And that was kind of the, the biggest problem with the Hornets is they had nobody in the middle that could do that last year. Because for as good as Cody was, that he he had to say explicitly himself multiple times, like rim protection is not my strength, because like it was so apparent that that's what the Hornets needed. But and he and he just couldn't provide it. He had to tell blatantly, it'd be like rim protection is not my strength. I can keep guards out of the paint, but I'm not going to block a ton of shots and hit a bunch of threes every night. So I think I think that the the Hornets defense as a whole is like the biggest like question mark and like most interesting thing heading into the the season because they theoretically got better on that end, but like in what ways that they got, because their biggest weakness is still a weakness. So it's like, how much does getting better in other areas, like adding Ubre as a perimeter, like defender and having more depth in that area, how does that affect 
the the rim protection issue because it's it won't be quite as bad just because you have more bodies to keep people out of the paint but you know it's likely still going to be a problem so that that's that's going to be something to watch and in the preseason and stuff too. And I, th- I think Miles also said about LaMelo Ball, how he's really got better defensively this mm-hmm. offseason. Um, and that was like one thing he's noticed, especially like down in Miami, which we talked about it before. LaMelo has really good instincts defensively off ball. On ball, it was it was tough, right? He was yeah. not good. He just let guys dribble past him regularly. If he can turn into a good point of attack defender, all of a sudden that makes a huge difference. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's really positive to hear as well. Like it wasn't either something not like someone asked Miles, "How's the Melo's defense looking?" And Miles is obviously going to be like, "Yeah, it looks good." He's not going to say it looks bad. He brought it up like just himself talking about stuff, which that's generally you know it's a little bit more true when someone takes you to an answer without you having to push them to get there. Yeah, and that's where the strength thing comes in that we talked about earlier too. Is he because he does have those instincts, but if he can add the strength, like and do what the things that Miles says, just getting better generally as a defender, the strength, the being strong is going to cover a lot of the lapses that he would have anyway. Because right now, whenever you put him in a screen, he's most likely going to get crushed because he's 181 pounds and he's just very long and lanky and skinny, but. It'll, that that'll I think that will definitely be an issue that subsides over time, especially this year as he you know grows and becomes like a 20, 21 year old instead of a 19 year old. So my third quote is another one from Sam Purley. It was Mason Plumley saying that there is like a, a balance between trying to pick up a new system and scheme and also helping out young players like as he is kind of picking up the system in the same way that they are. And about like the young guys and the other new additions, he said, they're all smart guys and they're all going to pick things up quickly. And it's not like, like, I just feel like you don't really think about that as often. Like, yes, Mason Plumley, like Kelly Oubre, Ish Smith are all veterans, especially Mason and Ish Smith, but they're new to the Hornets, much like James Booknight, Kai Jones, Scotty Lewis, JT Thor, Arnold Skoboka, all the young guys. So they do have lots to offer them in terms of advice, but a lot of that advice doesn't pertain to like, like the Hornets off, like offensive and defensive systems because they, mm-hmm. they too are picking that up right now. And I just thought, I thought that was interesting. I feel like you like, not like literally you, but people don't really think of it from that angle as often because you're just like, well, this guy's, you know, 30 years old, he knows how to play. Like he'll just slide right in and be adjusted like right away. But it, it's going to take like some time for them to develop a little bit of chemistry on the court. And I think that's why that Miami workout that they had over the off season that was organized by Terry is going to be so beneficial because every single one of them went and got to like learn how each other plays in like in in a non-structured environment where they're all just like 15 basketball players, just playing basketball and having fun. Like they all got to learn each other's tendencies in that kind of environment. And that's going to help for when you're playing like an actual structured basketball game. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I honestly think that is the most important off-season training update that I've ever heard in my 15 years covering the Charlotte. To get every single player there is like, yeah, is like, like a lot of these guys have unheard of, like unheard of, and it wasn't just the players; it was the training staff. Yeah, yeah, Nick Friedman was there. Michael Jordan, Michael freaking Jordan was there. Yeah. 
You got Mike. they got Michael Jordan to carve out time for his schedule to go watch them have an unorganized practice in Miami. Now, unbelievable. I don't know how much you know convincing you have to do to get MJ to go to <laughs> Miami, which you wouldn't have to convince me either. So I don't blame him. But either way, like that's that's huge. You got every level of the Hornets organization was there. Incredible. Like and respects to Terry. The thing is, everyone made this out like it was Terry's ears thing, including me. And then interesting, I think I heard Borrego talk about it and he said he was like props to Terry and Gordon who led that, yeah. right? And I don't think Gordon Haywards, you're not getting the public, you know, knowledge that he was the one who led that. And like part of me wondered when I heard there was something going to be in Miami, I was like, is Gordon going to go? Like he's an older guy. He's just got a young kid. Like he seems really settled in Charlotte and quite a family oriented guy. And for him to be at the top, like leading that, um, as well, alongside Terry, I think that's that's huge as well. So, I mean, that Miami training camp, it's hard because you don't want to buy in too much about the the cliches of oh, we were so much further ahead of where we've ever been before, like this time last year, which you've heard a couple of times. And like, yeah, you should be because we're returning a lot of our rotation players, and you know we've got a full training camp and you've been able to actually work out and there's not been a pandemic so yeah, every that, team yeah exactly every team is further ahead of where they were in the past so we can't all get too excited at the same time there is some stuff and i you can't put a value on this there is just stuff coming out of how people are talking about each other how they're talking about the team the miami thing how committed people have been in charlotte i really do and i'm i'm a pessimist long listeners know i'm a pessimist charlotte hornets you know, fan and, and journalist, like I really think there could be something special brewing in Charlotte right now with just the approach that everyone has. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, you can't put a value on it. I don't know what it is, but something feels different than just like general, normal, good off season speak of, yeah, we're all good. Things are great. Like I, this just feels different for some reason. And I don't know if it's recency bias or I don't know if, if it is different. It feels very Spurs-like to me, which makes sense because yeah. Borrego was there. Because like, and it's cause, just because like our art when he was still in charge of the team, RC Buford and Greg Popovich, like they were they worked like so closely together in molding a roster. And I feel like that's kind of what JB and Mitch do. And even if you know JB doesn't have a ton of like personnel input in like transactions, his basketball philosophies clearly have a lot of input in what Mitch is going to do because he got the type of players <laughs> that JB kind of asks for like versatile athletic, unselfish players that, you know, can get up and down the floor. And that that's basically all of what, what ish Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley can do in the new, the new guys that they sign. And obviously Kai Jones and James Booknight are athletic and can get up and down the floor. So yeah, they've definitely got the culture thing. Like, we I feel like we say it like somewhat often, but like it's almost not often enough because that is like the borderline like base step of rebuilding a team. And if you don't get that at the very beginning, like from the outset, you're not it's not going to work. And they they clearly made a point to instill that before they were like, oh, you know, we had a we were the four seed at one point last year. We can, you know, do this, this and this and then try and make a run for it again. They were like, no, let's continue on this path that we were on regardless yeah. of how well we did last year and here they are the, the term Borrego uses is institutional knowledge like mm. the more time that everyone is here the players the coaches 
like that you, you're starting from a much higher level. Like you don't have to explain the basics because there's already like a really broad understanding of what the organization does and how we approach things and what we're about. And I think in going into year three of Borrego, I think that's pretty set there now. Like I feel they've got to the point where they want to be. Now the, the problem is this all sounds great in theory. Like if they come out the gate and they are like two and eight. <laughs> yeah, right. All of this, you're like, tear it up. It doesn't matter. But right now, when we don't know how good they are, this just trends in the right direction. You think it's going to be well. But we, you know, we'd be foolish to think that it's the only rebuilding team who feel like they've got something good and special going. I mean, tell me a rebuilding team that doesn't, um, like, they all do. So it it would be interesting to see. But I think this is different to previous Charlotte rebuilds. I really do. Oh, definitely from previous Charlotte Hornets rebuilds I think that it's definitely got a much different vibe so far I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and add a fourth one it's not really like a quote but I feel like just the general like the things that Kelly Oubre has been saying generally about James Borrego and like his transition coming to Charlotte are wildly positive you just stole my third one. <laughs> okay I, you, you jumped in with the fourth have three I th- no okay, well, I haven't gone yet Okay, I you jumped you in with the fourth. Three. Okay, that was God yours. I just said it. I said it for you. Then that, that was, I thought you had already gone for three. We're off to a hot my start. Ne- my next note is Ubre brackets. <laughs> okay, there we go. Well, it, uh, look, at least we're aligned here. No, it's all yeah. good. I, mine was a wider point that it's both Ubre, Buck, Kai, all the new additions have like gone out their way to say like James Borrego has been incredible. Like, I think Buck Knight said the co- coach has been unbelievable. Um, Ubre said, like, credit to JB. He's, like, made my transition so easy. And, again, like, you need to know, you need to listen to enough interviews to understand when someone's being real and when someone's giving a media answer. So if someone says, if the player asks, like, what's JB been like? If it's just, like, a general, like, he's been fine, the question get is, like, yeah, he's been great. Um, he's He's been talking to me. He's been communicating with me. And you, you just kind of talk about facts that things that actually happen without giving any detail, but that, you know, just the, the language and terminology and the enthusiasm, the players are talking about things. I'm telling you that coach extension for Brago, I, I think that's maybe one of the biggest signs of the off season because uh, you've got guys returning up in Charlotte and we're in day three of training camp and players love him already. Um, uh, and I think he's just got such a good manner with the players. And I think like they even said a couple of times, like he can joke around enough that like he's good to be around, but he also knows like when to snap you back to being serious and he's giving you honest feedback. And I think that was something Brago was talking about today was like, people might disagree with the stuff that I say, but they know it's coming from a place of honesty and trust because of the relationship we build. And that's so important. So I think, yeah, Borrego so far, his stock, I think, has gone up even more. Um, this this last training camp, it will come down again to player development and how many wins does this team get. But right now, all the sounds that we're hearing, it's it's just super impressive still. Yeah, and I, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that, like, all of the potential problems that the Hornets might have are on court and, like, directly related to personnel and stuff like that rather than being like some other NBA franchises right now that might, you know, have some front office turmoil or any other type of like team chemistry issues and whatnot. It seems like none of those things are ever going to be a particular issue for the Hornets 
And like, I think that's definitely a positive is like, if you know, you know where the problems will, will reside and it's with very specific issues on court likely rather than being like, Oh, the players aren't buying into the coaches or, Oh, the development staff hasn't you know, allowed PJ and uh, Lamelo and book and Kai to improve or in their first couple seasons. Like none of those things are problems in Charlotte. So that, that, that's definitely a good thing. And, and if you're like a relatively new coach, let me read you the list of, of former Charlotte coaches, Bernie Bickerstaff, Sam Vincent, Larry Brown, Paul Silas, Mike Dunlap, Steve Clifford, which Steve Clifford was great, right? You know, mm -hmm. I know the, the team didn't have the best period when Clifford was here, but like overall he was like a 500 coach pretty much. But like the Dunlap, Silas, Brown, Vincent run was like you can point to multiple things that each of those coaches did, which was just not a good look. And they were making headlines for the wrong reasons. Larry Brown, it's the three-hour practices. Same with Mike Dunlop and him doing like full-court press in an NBA game, which was just like embarrassing. Sam Vincent got like locked out the locker room at some point. Paul Silas pushed Tyrus Thomas up against the locker. Like there's all these things uh, which, which just didn't help. And Borrego has just been... Uh, a really steadying presence and he's built this, this player development community that we've talked about. So um, I think it's time. It's easy when like, when things are just like fine, it's easy to take that for granted, but you look back and you go, Oh, actually like things are really good right now from a coaching point of view. Um, and, you know, I know they lost some assistance over the summer, but Jay Hernandez still here. Dutch Gately still here. They brought in a couple of assistants um, Jordan Srenkamp, who's been made the Greens for Swarm head coach, who's the head video coordinator. Like, there's a real ethos of promoting from within, I think, in Charlotte, which again helps build that culture. You're going to have people who are going to want to come here because they can see there's opportunity for progression. And that's something that I think has come really clear in the organization as well. Did I call the Nick Friedman promotion in an episode now that, like, we listened? You did. I think I did. Yeah, I, I, I remember. Did. Don't, yeah, don't, could... don't you fade that credit there. Like, I think I did. You know you did. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I wanted to phrase it <laughs> so that I didn't be like, I called that. And I, I wanted to, because I wasn't 100% sure, but I was about 99 and a half to 99.9%. Yeah. But I remember, yeah, I remember we were being like, oh, there's so many assistant coaches departing. Like, I wonder how this is going to get filled out. And I brought his name up and here he is. He's on the bench in Charlotte now. That's it. it he's, he's had quite the rise. I mean, all of them, I think the other people everybody that has got promoted so a couple of them had like intern tags uh, it was like video uh, video coordinating intern or something got yeah. promoted to you know uh, assistant coach or something like that so it's definitely it's definitely cool that you can literally go in from the ground level at the hornets and then work your way up to being an assistant coach so pretty cool yeah all right well i think we're we're through yeah. all of our things we wanted to talk about I'm Look sure there'll be lots first more. episode. We're holding holding to our our shorter episodes promise. That was like 20 minutes. We banged those quotes out really quickly. Look at us. Bang. Look at that. Well, we're gonna be back next week. Um, maybe after you know, there'll be at least at least one preseason game before the next episode, which is probably the the thunder at the at the coming to Charlotte, the Hornets, which is on Tuesday 5th. So maybe we can get a pod in. Wednesday, Thursday, or, or maybe after that, just to get some like initial reaction. Ho hopefully, it's streamed because sometimes preseason games are weird. Um, but even if even if it's not, there's still going to be stuff to talk about, looking at rotations, matchups, everything like that. So 
Um, we'll be we'll be back in your podcast feed next week, looking at those preseason games and covering any of the news that comes out of training camp. And everyone, cross anything you can to the the team stays healthy because you know one injury here and like you look at the paces already. They've lost Karis Levert and TJ Warren before like training camps even started, and like that would just I feel sorry for that fan base, honestly. Like it's just sucks yeah, to like was, have part terrible. of your season ripped out before you even get chance to get going. It, it's tough. And hopefully both those guys come back. Yeah. I mean, that happened to them last year too, with TJ Warren. I mean, I'm pretty, he yeah. was supposed to come back like halfway through last year at some point. So hopefully I drafted he... him in my fantasy team and he yeah. never bloody came back. Yeah. <laughs> he must've known that you drafted him. He's, he's taking his time with, with his rehab. Also, I think you said the game was on the fifth, but it's on the fourth, but I think that might be because, it's at 8 p.m., so it's starting yeah. at 1 a.m. for you. Yeah, that's on sorry. October 5th. No, I, I said that. I was like, wait a second. And then I looked up the schedule. I was like, have I had this wrong? Because I've written <laughs> it in like multiple articles on At the Hive. So I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to go no, back and edit that's it. My, I'm looking at the schedule, and the schedule, because I'm in the UK, auto corrects it to a Tuesday. So you, you're right. It's Monday. It's Monday. <laughs> yeah, but think, we'll be yeah. back on, we'll be back next week to talk about it. Yes, we um, will. Speaking of fantasy, oh, which yes. I. Uh, I segued us in there. There we go. Segued us in. Um, This year, we're going to set up an exclusive at the Hive Live fantasy basketball um, league. Exclusive for listeners of at the Hive Live. Um, All you have to do to get access to this exclusive league, and we're not sure yet, 10, 12 teams, we'll see how many people come forward. You just need to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice comment if you can. And then shoot us a screenshot on Twitter to meet or chase saved in that. And we'll, we'll get you into that league. Um, it's probably going to be an ESPN, probably going to be a points league. Um, but we want like active players. So if you're one of those people, like you set, you, you draft the team and then you just like don't update it at all. Like cool. Still give us a five-star review, but we don't really want you in the league. <laughs> we want, you know, we want this to be active. We want people to be, you know, actively looking at it. We want it to be like a good quality fantasy league. So um, we need to fill it though. Currently we have two people. It's me and Chase. So we need people to come forward. We know you're out there listeners. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the big thing. And once you DM us, we'll send you the league code and we'll get you to join up. We'll have a good draft night. Um, it can be, you know, it'll be a good time. So maybe, maybe we can set up a little kind of zoom room for draft night. I think that could be fun as well. Potentially be good to hear from some listeners. Yeah, we can all we can all uh, have our fantasy draft, pick the Hornets players way too early. It'll be fun. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. So remember to get in the fantasy basketball league, exclusive at the high listers only. Five star rating. Leave us a nice comment. DM me or Chase if you've already given us a five star rating before. Just DM us and let us know because we trust you. And if anyone's like trying to lie about giving a five star rating, we just, just don't so believe effort. people will do that. <laughs> yeah. Like surely, like we'll we'll trust you. So if you've already done it and you like, you know, that's fine. DM us, we'll get you in. And yeah, should be a good time. Looking forward to it. All right. That wraps us up. The first episode of season two of At the Hive Live. September 30th, we're recording this. When do you think the last episode of this season will be? Probably mid-June. Or no, probably mid-July with the off season, right? Yeah, we're back to normal NBA dates now, which is yeah. very exciting. Yeah, uh, after after summer league, summer league twenty twenty two. Yeah, we got about ten and a half, eleven months of podcasting here. I'm excited though. We're back in the saddle. 
Thank you all for joining us again for another season. We hope you continue to stick with us. Thank you to anybody who is new as well to the show. We will see you on our next episode. Have a good one, guys. See ya.